I guess I, you know, Josh has been getting a little bit better about showing up on a monthly cadence. <laughs> He's able to squeeze me in once a month, <laughs> but I still really like to have other people on once in a while. And so finally got around today to talking to Chris Castaneda. Hello, everyone. And um, I don't know, you have any interesting factoids you want to throw out there? Factoids. Uh, let's see. So maybe we should start a little bit about how we know each other. Yeah, that's right. So we used to work together. Um, now it's been several years. It's weird how, how long I've been at this <laughs> other job. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we were designers at Fjord. And one of my old podcasts, if you want to look it up, called Letters. All right. That had Chris on some of those episodes too, and Josh as well, and uh, and Habiba. That no, is so right. That's when talked about like life and how you ended up in your job and all that stuff. That's so, true. Back yeah. when the true backstory <laughs> is on that. <laughs> Back when we found out that Habiba would record things on her under the covers in her room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, it's been what couple of years since we stopped working together, probably. Uh, no, it's been about four. Since we stopped? No, three, probably three. Well, three, three, yeah, three and a half, I think. Okay, so you were, I left the company about, how long have you been at Audible already? Yeah, I've been at Audible for like three and a half or four years. Four years already. Oh my gosh, it's such yeah. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I know, no. Right? You know why? Because I'm, I'm 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 thinking about it since like when when since I left. You left. Fjord. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And it's been, but actually, I feel like it's gonna be almost three years, right? <laughs> I think because I went, yeah, I started, I, I I went to Verizon uh, mid two thousand seventeen. So yeah, it will be two years at Capital One in July. And I was at Verizon for hmm. one year, so it is almost it's almost yeah. Really, yeah okay, so that makes sense. So we haven't worked together yeah. in about four years. <laughs> That's, That's basically crazy. It. yeah. Um, Seems how it, funny how like uh, as I get older, time stretches, yeah. or or I or maybe it's condensing. I'm not you, sure what the you, correct adjective is. You know what? Is. I read I read like, a really really interesting thing uh, about that. So you know how we always think that the older that we get the years go by quicker and quicker and quicker so mm -hmm. that's a whole thing of relativity to that where when you are five years old then your whole life is five years old so every year that passes is a bigger chunk of your life because you've only been alive for five years but as you get uh, older yeah. then the years are literally smaller because you've lived for longer so every year represents a less of your you know entire life Right, the yeah. overall portion. So, so that's why it feels yeah. that way. So it's part of that theory of relativity. So that's a, when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that completely makes sense. That's so cool. Yeah, it's also there's like so many more milestones when you're younger. And there, there's, you know, different ways to like, <clears throat> you know, like when you're, you're driving down, a, let's say you're in a car and you're driving through a city. You can like you can like read all the signs and there's like one building to the next, but then like you're in I don't know Arizona <laughs> driving down and it's just desert. Uh, it, you might be driving the same distance, but you know you don't have as much to like fixate on visually. And I feel like that's like okay. being in a being an adult is like um, 
so four years, I feel like four years should be like a long time because right. that's college right there. That's four years. But to now, I'm just like, ah, yeah, I guess it's long, but it really wasn't that long ago. It doesn't seem that long. It doesn't, it doesn't long. feel that way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I think about it, it literally feels that I, can le- I left here like two years ago, like a year and a half ago, but it's not. It's just been a very long time. And, a lo- and actually, you know, a lot yeah. of things have happened, but it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Different. Things are different. So. But yeah, so we, we worked together for a couple of years, I guess. How long? Yeah. How long were you off yours? Mm, I think it's a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe three. Mm. It's been, been so long now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took a while to uh, for everything to wear off from from Fjord. All the like the PTSD. PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> it's still like a good year afterwards of just hating it, and now it's totally worn off, and <laughs> I don't even think about that anymore. <laughs> Except when you talk to people about it. Yep, man, it brings it, it all back. A lot. <laughs> I was um, I was talking to, I was talking to Katie, and um. It's a, another, another person, person that we to work with. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> then um, she was mentioning that in true fewer fashion, the plans keep getting extended. So the move that was supposed to happen, it get, keeps getting pushed back and everyone keeps hoping that it, get, it keeps getting pushed back because now they've gotten the place to be like really positive again. So they feel uh-huh. that... And there's like a really good feeling about everything and the work is good. They've gotten some good projects. So it feels that if they move, then it's going to throw everything out the window again. Oh, no. Well, it depends on a move. You know, I think what what happened with us was you, it was the size really that mattered. We were a smaller size. It was like a nice little loft studio. With just a handful of us, and then moving happened when we merged with this other company, and it got so much bigger, and the leadership changed, and that changed the whole vibe of everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't talked to Katie in a while. I I assume they're just moving offices, or did they get um, like, did they acquire more companies now? No, they're literally <laughs> moving offices to uh, to that area where every tech company is trying to move to the peers. Oh yeah. So. Over Hudson Yards? Yeah, there you or... go. That's what it is. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that's that's it. But, you know, so just a little bit of background on what we used to be in, what we're not anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It started out as this, like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, the, the job to me from day one was, like, a dream job. It was, like, this is all of the stuff, like, I imagined in my fantasy of what a cool designer would be. You know, you've got, like... Yeah the hip, you know, pour over coffee in the kitchen <laughs> and, you know, everyone's playing, you know, music on their shared Spotify playlist through the office speakers and, and everything's super chill. Um, and then like, at least the time that I came along, it kind of very quickly shifted the environment to uh, much more corporate, you know, being acquired by a bigger company and bringing on a whole bunch more people and, not that there's anything wrong with all those people, uh, you know, a lot of great people came from there, like Kristen, who, you know, we're good friends with, uh, but it's more of the, just the change, like, you know, you, you get settled in with one thing, and then it's a very different vibe, um, 
So yeah, I have yeah. forgotten about a lot of those things. To be honest, you know, things have changed in my life. I've forgotten that we used to listen to like a a, a a community playlist that everyone put songs into, yeah. and you know, it would play in speakers. Remember that 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 plugin sound drop? Yeah, back when Spotify supported plugins. <laughs> I remember that was a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there was instances where we didn't yeah. want se- seven people's songs to be played, so everyone just put songs on top of it, so that that song didn't play. I'm <laughs> <laughs> pushing it down the list. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it, yeah. that's actually a fairly interesting thing, and I know you and I have talked about it before, but about it, you know, going from a place like that, even even after it, you know, it changed with the acquisition and everything, and things became more corporate in a way. Some of the things were cut off, you know, budgets are different, everything is different, the project uh, focus is different. But mm-hmm. even going at that stage, moving to an in-house environment, it's still an incredible, crazy change. And I've noticed that more now because I literally went to the opposite with, without really intending to. So when I, what do you so mean? When I left... I was going to go in-house and I went to Verizon, right? So I went to Verizon because... Oh, I also... To to cut you off, people probably need more context that, uh, you know, about what you do. Oh, right. You're a designer, UX designer, product designer, um, you know, what what, what are the type of things that you do? Yeah, let me go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, so I guess to give a little bit of a background, so... What I'm doing right now, I'm actually a UX product designer. So mm-hmm. that being a little bit of, there's a bit of difference on how that's defined in every place that you go. I think in my particular case right now, it, enti- it really, it means that I do a lot of service design. Um, not so much a lot of interaction design, which I re- originally was an interaction designer. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I do have a lot of involvement on every single stage of the process. So even things that I haven't done before, like a visual design part of it, that's something mm-hmm. that I'm heavily involved now. Um, so that comes with that's part cool. of being, I guess, this new type of product designer in that way. And I know that product design is not a new thing. You know, we talked about this before. Like, the, I mean, this, this has been a thing for a while. Yeah. But I think a UX designer now being defined as a product designer in addition to being a new it's not it's, they're not separate anymore like ux product designer is one thing no so anyway so that's that's what i've been doing that and that's another you're never going to finish your story because i'm going to interrupt you again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh just for the sake of you know any types of people could be listening and they may not even know what service design is <laughs> ux design like yeah, we have sure. to like bring this back down da- like it, yeah, yeah. explain it to me like i'm five kind of thing okay um we could probably do an entire podcast on what is service design yeah, mm-hmm. but i would just tell people and I'll, I'll let you give your take on it i think that a just general level of service design is just you know you're a big picture designer so you know if you work at a, a company like spotify the service designer is just more concerned in how the person gets the music, right? right? It could be through your smart home device or your iPad or your iPhone or in your car. And so those are all the different ways that you do it. Service designer is just worried, you know, or thinking more about like your your pattern throughout the whole day and the many different ways you're going to touch Spotify. Whereas um, in uh, a 
visual designer as well as typically a UX designer would be assigned to one slice of that story. So maybe, you know, as a UX designer, you would be focusing on the iPhone app or maybe you're, Mm -hmm. you know, in a different department and you get to work on the Alexa feature. Right. Um, So that's just a a kind of a a crayon way to (laughs) explain it. Yeah, that that, that makes a complete, complete sense. I think in, in, in the way that works in my environment, I work in, in a financial institution, right? So we, the focus of the company, at least on the design department, you know, the tech department, because it's, it's a combination of both. We got the people who are building, you know, everything, the websites and, and the apps and everything. And then we have the people who are working on how that's going to look. And my involvement with that is actually taking a look at what the customer's needs are in in a very broad spectrum so i really don't have any type of a definitive focus really Hmm. it's really broad in terms of why i work for the commercial banking side of it so it's you know big customers that have a lot of accounts with a lot of money so it's a little bit more broad that your everyday, you know, you and I have a checking account and a savings account and that's it. It's a yeah. little bit more broad than that. There's a ton of other things. There's a ton of additional data that needs to be taken on account. So my job is really to look at all that and try to make sense of it and try to make recommendations as to what the best things to offer those people are. So it's mm-hmm. less about the actual product itself, like less about the features that are going to be offered within an application, you know, whether you're going to be able to move money or you're going to be able to take a check and deposit it, take a picture of a check and deposit it, is more about what is the valuable pieces of information that could be sent to that company in terms of the, the numbers. Huh. Yeah, I guess it's funny. I never thought about what like a corporate bank account would look like is it just one account with lots of different ways of looking at the information or are, is it like a person where um you know uh, spotify might have um like a li- liquid assets and then maybe they also have like a savings account somewhere else and right. and uh i wonder what what types of things do does a typical corporation uh divide their their banking into that's the beauty of it actually because it's a little bit of everything so you have you know small medium and large businesses you know flat markets and that's defined you know based on the revenue and you know the amount of business really so you can have things anywhere from a small company where the same person is managing absolutely everything and they you know, they oversee every single account they have, and they may not have a lot of accounts because they're a small company, but they oversee mm-hmm. every single account and every decision is made by the same person. And then you have, which is, you know, closer to what you and I would do owning, you know, your own accounts, having your own accounts. And then you have your big mm-hmm. clients where you do have a particular type of account being managed by a particular type of person, of employee. Then, you know, you have a different type of account that is managed by a completely different person at a completely different, different department. Sometimes then there's a lot of, there's a lot of time, time spent trying to figure out that exact thing, who is managing what, what person, what department, 
what type of types of accounts they manage and some so the big the big thing about Vasha is we're trying to figure out what part of the product is useful to what part of that company because mm. some accounts may be offered only as part of one product and other types of accounts may be offered as a different product so that they're branded differently they're presented as different mm -hmm. offerings so i think it's just kind of like if you if you want to compare it to something that we do every day like shopping you know it, it could be the difference between being a regular amazon customer and being a prime customer you have access uh, to multiple yeah. other features and it really depends on what you're trying to do um but yeah so it's a it's it, it sounds complicated it sounds more complex <laughs> than it is like it, it you know i'm probably in a really poor job explaining it but it's a really it, it's not it sounds more complicated than it is but i think the main thing to get out uh, all of that is that there's a lot more work when it comes to finding out what is the right thing for to offer a particular customer than the mm -hmm. time that is actually spent designing the whatever interface that they're going to be interacting with. That is so true. I think that's the same thing with, with Audible, I noticed. Um, I never thought about it like that until you, <laughs> you put it that way. Um, <clears throat> you know my my first my first impression of changing from designing for an agency to designing for a product in-house is just you know at an agency you have multiple clients and they come and go and it's kind of like dating versus working in-house for a product is more like going steady you're only seeing that one you know product <laughs> you're only designing that one app the whole time right um so yeah, at first I just thought it was more of like the consistency and the and the long term commitment, but but yeah, actually the type of design you do is even different because uh, I've been doing so much more user research lately, and um, we're constantly do, you know bringing people in Audible customers or people who aren't Audible customers, and um, I I can't say what we're researching, but you know we're putting stuff in front of them and having them react to it. Or maybe we're not even showing them any designs and we just kind of like ask them about their daily routine and how does Audible fit into their life. And, um, you know, when they kind of hit on something that might be frustrating, we ask them more to understand why, oh, right. why is that frustrating? Right. And we just walk away with this treasure trove of knowledge. And, of course, you get customer complaint emails and stuff on Reddit about people complaining about problems. But when you're going to like the CEO or other stakeholders, it it's much more valuable when you have it done in the you know the research yeah. um, platform, I guess. And uh, so yeah. Anyway, long story short, we're <laughs> talking to a lot more customers and spending a lot more time, as you said, figuring out what to design first. Like we think this is a problem, but we really need a good diagnosis of the problem before we can treat it. Right. And then. And then we will, you know, spend some time on on the treatment or the, you know, the solution for it. Whereas I remember at Fjord and other agencies, it's just like, here's what the client wants. They need a login screen and they need an account dashboard and it has to display X, Y, and Z information. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just designing the interface, right. which was a lot of fun. But, um, but yeah, now it's kind of, it's also pretty nice to be a part of like, 
pulling the puppet strings of yeah you know the grand vision it, it's funny to to talk about it that way because for example a few weeks ago i went to this event in brooklyn this meetup and there was you know with a bunch of designers from new york you know based in new york so that you encounter people that are just starting to design people that are working at agencies people that are trying to move into big companies corporations you know work in-house so i was talking to this guy and he was asking me questions specifically about that so he was um he was telling me that the biggest thing that he expected to be able to do if he moved to a big corporation was to see th things through. So th the yeah. way that he felt is that when you work in an agency environment, you know, as a product person, as a designer, as you know, any member of the team, really, you work with only within a particular piece of the entire process. So you're working with only as only a small part of the journey so that whatever yeah. company when the company hires the agency they have an idea of what this big thing they're going to build a website whatever it is and then you as a consultancy you get to work on only part of it and most mm -hmm. of the time you're gonna finish the project and give it back to the client and then they were gonna do whatever they want with it so they will change it they will finish it they will do whatever you will never see it it doesn't matter yeah if so that's something that it's a bit different. I mean, not that different. Sometimes, you know, things are very similar, but I, as part of a bigger, you know, a big company uh, working in, in house, you get to see a lot of the end of the project. Yeah. So you get to see, yeah, you get to see it through, you get to see what happens. Um, especially at, <clears throat> this happened more so on the, when I was on the Amazon side of things in Amazon, you know, they measure everything and, so you, you also get to see the performance of how e the smallest things that you do. You know, they'll A-B test it, and you can see, you know, within a couple of weeks what the response is. Like, <clears throat> I um, I made these, uh, you know when you're on the, the a page for a book on the Amazon website, and they have the, the square boxes in the middle to pick what format, a hardcover or the Kindle or whatever, and... Um, one of my projects this is a couple years ago was trying to squeeze those boxes to be just a little bit smaller because depending on your browser, um, if those boxes are relatively wide mm -hmm. and you have a small browser window, you're maybe only going to see the first three format options. Maybe it'll say Kindle, hardcover, paperback, uh, and then it gets <laughs> cut off. <laughs> well, guess what? Audible was usually that fourth one <laughs> that gets cut off. <laughs> So, you know, I just shaved off like 10 pixels from each, found some a little extra space. And um, and uh, long story short, you know, it's like several thousand dollars made just, you know, tens of thousands of dollars made just from shaving off a few pixels. And like that was a pretty boring <laughs> design project, but it was pretty Big cool impact. to be, you know, inside the company and you could see like what was the end result of that. Yeah, um, it, it, that's great, you know, to have the opportunity to see things through and, you know, be... A part of the, a part of the of the process when it actually finishes and actually you get to put something live out in the world. But at the same time, you got to think that now you have to maintain it and now you have to work on your whole life is gonna be about making sure it doesn't break. Uh, you know, just fixing little yep. things that come up because you know people will find things wrong with it all the time. So then it becomes a, yep. a race to try to keep up on that. So it's kind of that, that the other side of it too. You know, you're getting to see the end of it, but at the same time now you are the person who. He's going to get blamed if things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
you have you have to defend your decision and be like, well, well good thing we did this research because this is why we built it that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's been really interesting. <laughs> I think um, one of the things that I've at this point in my career uh, I've realized is that I'm at a place where I kind of I'm in, in a happy medium, where I have a lot of what I want out of an in-house job, which is the level of involvement, um, the level of influence that I can have on, on a project, and mm. uh, the time that you need, because that's the other, that's the other difference. Time is completely different at a, at a big corporation in-house. You know, things move a lot slower. There's more patience. There's a, a lot more opportunity to do things. Until there's a fire drill. I mean, and, you know, uh, until like, something Oh, shit, happens. you have a week to, like, do all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why didn't you tell me this six months ago? <laughs> uh, well, if, if there's, a re- there's some kind of restructure and then, you know, budget changes. And, uh, oh, crap, we have a month to finish. <laughs> oh, we have another reorg. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which actually, uh, you know... Uh, yeah. The funny thing is, I've noticed I can suddenly relate to Dilbert comics. Ah. I never, I thought I'm like, oh, this is like old shit that my parents would probably, you know, understand. But this doesn't look like my work life anymore. Right. Now it totally does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just like, okay, well, here we go again. It's like that meme from Grand Theft Auto. It's like, ah, oh, we're here we go again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. So, but, yeah, but at the same time, you know, um, they've been able to, to, to keep this, um, very close social culture that normally doesn't happen in, in a corporate environment. That's good. So the people are highly important in this environment. So that that's part of the reason why it's been a great experience and, you know, kind of like it has a little bit of both, but. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was just talking to, um, speaking of all like the, the, like the bureaucracy and some of the like poorly planned stuff. Um, I have a, a, oh, I don't know why I'm talking in the abstract. Uh, I was talking to Josh, (laughs) (laughs) who everyone who listens to the podcast would know. Um, Yeah, he was was texting me about how, you know, like like since since this new job, it's been like a lot more work lately. Right. And he's noticed that he's starting to drink a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, when I first started Audible, um, I think I drank a lot. But it, it turns out that it was um, a couple of coworkers that always wanted to go get drinks and it really escalated. <laughs> and then that person left and now I drink a lot less. But, um, but I, uh, but I've, I've also, I think this is just also kind of getting older learning how to draw these like segmentations between work and life. And um, so, you know, whenever I'm stressed out, when I get home, I try, you know, to block all that out and just focus on a hobby. And I've, I guess for the past few years, although it's not a consistent one, I've always been trying to like think of some type of hobby to get into. Like I've been... Uh, curating bonsai trees, <laughs> Chinese Chinese instruments that you pretend that you're Chinese gonna buy. Chinese instruments, yeah. But by the no, way, for people, uh, you know, I, I I'm actually a fan of the podcast in general, so I've been enjoying uh, Rob's discussions about Chinese uh, instruments and banana milk. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So I had no idea who actually listens to this show. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a hundred, hundred and fifty people uh, per episode that that get it, but um. I never hear from anybody, so I don't know. If you do, then, then great. <laughs> but, yeah. 
I was going to show you the. This is not good podcast material, but um, this is this is. Uh, I'll just send you a link. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I got for Christmas. Is the Artifon Instrument One, and um, actually, I think I already explained this in the episode that I'm about to publish. But um, it's a it's a MIDI controller, and so I've been using GarageBand a lot more now, yeah. and using that as a way to to play around in GarageBand, and it is so much fun. I haven't like done a a complete song or anything, but right. I just love you know making like blocks of music are you using any anything any particular using it i mean to play any particular in- instrument within it like can you use it to play anything or is it just gear towards keyboards uh you can use it to play anything uh any software instrument it will control and i guess the the selling point of of this device is that um a lot of midi controllers are like um a piano that you right. plug in to the computer keyboard or right um like a beat pad where you've got a, a few different pads for for drum kits and whatnot but this one is versatile so it has different modes you can hold it up and strum it like a guitar or you can lie it flat and play it like a piano or you can change the mode and the sensors turn into like just generic beat pads if you want to hit it like a drum pad right so it's pretty versatile i think that's what's pretty fun about it that's interesting because i've actually been struggling with that a little bit like recently and i have been trying to get back into you know recording music like i, I used to play guitar for a while when i was younger mm-hmm. i used to record music you know try to you know attempt to write songs back in the day uh, yeah i've been rediscovering some of those old songs that i you know it just makes me think of the fact that i really didn't know how to do things <laughs> <laughs> But so I've been trying to reconnect a little bit. So I got some help from this guy that I met and he's, he has a band and we just happen to become friends. I recently moved to New Jersey again. Mm-hmm. So I'm at a place now. Again. Where, again. Well, I used to, a little bit of background. I used to live in New Jersey. Actually, I used to live in New York, then I moved to New Jersey, then I moved back to New York and now I'm back in New Jersey. <laughs> okay, cool. But this time, <laughs> this time is permanent. <laughs> As far as you know. I mean, I bought a house. It has to be pretty permanent. Houses can be sold. <laughs> I uh, not, not to get too far off topic, but that's what this podcast is about. Um, <laughs> Mary um, has a, a, a good friend who uh, she got a house with her fiance in... Uh, crap. Well, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so... <laughs> South Carolina, I think. And... Um, but anyway, it, it, she had like just got a new job and yeah. they got a house together and then she hated the job and uh, like the boss was a big asshole. So she quit, got a job in Vermont. And so like with like after a year of buying that house, they had to sell it and then move out to Vermont. So now she has a house in Vermont. So, you know, right. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> music. Music. <laughs> So, so okay, so I make, I make friends. Home ownership. I make friends with this guy. So now he's he has a band, and uh, I went to see them practice. I went to see one of their shows, and you know I started hanging out, hang out with them a bit more. So they he actually built his own soundproof room in his apartment. Which oh, is, cool. And he decided the way that he decided, he's a great music, musician. He decided to buy every single instrument himself. What so that. You know, he bought the drum set. He bought, he plays the bass. So he has, you know, a couple of basses. 
guitars. He bought the regular guitars. He bought the keyboards. He bought everything just because he wants to be able to bring musicians in if there's an issue. He rather he would rather replace a musician without having to rely on them having instruments. So he will always have the instruments. Huh. So even if he's by himself, he can still record. Oh, okay. So okay. Anyway, so you're he, not like shit. I don't have a a drummer or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So he, he, they actually don't have a drummer right now. So he's using GarageBand to generate loops that he's using in the meantime to write songs and to practice songs. Loops that are mm-hmm. similar enough to what the real beat of the song would be. You know, if they actually had a, a, a drummer. But it helps them keep practicing and helps them could, um, you know, keep recording and practicing the songs that they're going to release. So anyway, long story short, he knew that I wanted to get back into music. So I went one of the about a week ago. I went over and he was showing me how to use GarageBand in a completely different way that I had no idea you could even do that. So he. Huh. And I'm sure this is pretty obvious for a lot of people that use GarageBand all the time, but I really haven't. I haven't used it in like I don't know, ten or twelve years, maybe. I don't know, ten years maybe. Yeah. So if you, so he gave me this device that is called an iRig. A what? An iRig. Rig, yeah, I R I G, iRig. And then what, what it does simply is it lets you connect any instrument directly to your iPad or to your laptop. Oh, I get it, like an Apple, like an i rig uh, okay. yeah so and it, i mean it has some controls that you can cool. control some levels of distortion and gain and things like that if you're playing the guitar so it literally just allows you to directly record with your ipad without having to use any other type of microphone or anything like that it just takes um is it acoustic guitar or electric guitar i mean electric, i figured I it'd be electric to electric yeah, right? exactly it could be electric okay but if you had an, an acoustic electric guitar you could do that as well but uh, anyway so that way you can you know the audio is recorded it's really easily to do really easy to do but the other thing that he was talking about was how now GarageBand has this bunch of um, preset loops and preset drummers for example that you can use oh, yeah. so you can literally go in and literally audition different types of drummers and you can just huh. modify the way they play slightly so you can modify how complex the beat is going to be you can modify the different um, elements are going to be used within that drum set so it's not only the you know that you could literally play digitally with the drum set there but you can have a an intelligent artificial intelligent drama that is going to generate loops for you ai drummer an ai drummer (laughs) yeah anyway so that was really interesting because then the way that I was thinking about it, I was trying to come up with these loops and I was trying to come up with these beats on my own, like manually mm-hmm. trying to tap and do that and all that. And it just yeah, didn't yeah. work out because, you know, it's difficult to do that. But this way, the way that it works is that you don't have to have that final thing. All you need is this basic beat that is somewhat close to what you intend to have in the final song. And that's the only thing you need to record. I'm, I'm a guitar player, so that's all I need. I'm going to record the guitar and eventually I could modify that little by little but um you know to get to the place that i want it to be but i don't need to work on that from the beginning that's cool yeah it gives you just like uh you know kind of a rough like sketch to respond to and you can build off of it and um i've got uh this app it's an iphone app i think i it's funny i end up 
talking about music to all types of different people on this podcast right. <laughs> at, 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 at different at different levels and um i didn't really realize that it was kind of like a common thread but um anyway i think i mentioned this on the podcast before but i have this app on my phone called reason uh reason compact actually and um it was a lot of fun just to play around with they have pretty good um interface for just tapping keys on into the app and they have kind of done an overhaul recently where now instead of just this one instrument i originally got it because it had a cool sounding synthesizer but now when you open it up um you see there's these three bands um on the screen where there's like the rhythm the melody and the bass and so you can poke into each of those customize how it sounds and then lay down a beat or put down a melody and then combine it all together and uh, when I got the Artifon, I downloaded the Reason trial for the computer, and I have been loving that, too. It's, like, way cooler than GarageBand in terms of playing with the sounds, the, the quality of the instrument, or the, the weird effects that it might have. And um, anyway, the cool thing is, since I just happened to know about the phone app, uh, originally, I can import any of those little kind of rough notes that I had taken on the phone right. and turn that into something more on the computer. But unfortunately, I've ran out of my trial, and it's like $400, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll be getting that later. <laughs> we we used to have, I think when it first came out, you used to have, I think you had to pay for GarageBand, right? Yeah, didn't you? Yeah, you had to buy. You, you had to buy it. I think. Well, yeah, you had to buy iWork, and you had to buy, what was the other one called? All oh, right, because uh, iWork it was. Yeah, right. it had PowerPoint, numbers, power, uh, keynote, keynote numbers, numbers and, and pages. pages, and that was like eighty bucks. Now, now that's included. Yeah. And GarageBand, I don't remember what that was, but I think that was extra too. Yeah, because that came with iMovie and. Yeah, yeah. And whatever the photography. iWeb. Remember, you could make web pages. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was uh, a good time. So, yeah, I mean, GarageBand is great. I think it has a lot of cool stuff in there. And like in that podcast that you listen to around Christmas time, I had just discovered the Guzang in there. I downloaded <laughs> the uh, the um, Asian instrument pack and had a lot of fun with those, those sounds. And uh, But if you want to do more synthesizer like electronic music-y type sounding stuff then reason is uh really powerful for that whereas GarageBand is you know the more like traditional guitar and drums and stuff i mean now they have a they have a, bun a bunch of uh electronic loops that let you do that but yeah i mean i haven't tried them so i don't know how good they are but there i mean i haven't checked out the loops but the instruments are kind of so-so yeah. As far as like the synthesizer sound, like an A bit. Yeah, I mean, but they're, I don't know. They're fine. Uh, I guess it just depends on personal preference. You get a lot of really cool flavors with uh, Reason. You know, you get like, I don't know, like that that sound that you get in like the Stranger Things intro. Right. right. You know, like the, those types of like retro synths and stuff. They they've got all that. So. Right, that, that's interesting. I um, I've recently have uh, acquired. I mean, I I always kind of liked it, but I think I've always, I've gotten I've gotten more interested in that type of music because there's a whole wave of you know artists trying to do that now. 
so you can actually go to YouTube where you can find um, any type of current song do it, you know done as if it was done in the 80s which is really oh, nice it's just really funny because <laughs> there's a whole playlist on that and not only they recreate the songs and they rewrite them so you can find like Backstreet Boys songs uh-huh. and they you know they, they do them with a synth and everything and they, they it, it sounds really good but um, not only they do that but they actually create the album covers as if they were done back then Oh, is, nice. That's my favorite part. It's incredible to see, you know. They right, look... as a designer. <laughs> and no, I mean, it, it, things like, you know, you see things like like Drake looks like Lionel Richie. Like, they make him look <laughs> like Lionel Richie. It's really funny. But, um, so I've been into that a little bit. So there's an artist that I found. Um, he's a composer, the producer. He goes by Time Cop 1983. That's... that's... That's that the name. Familiar. He goes by that name. I think he might have. I mean, if you listen to his music, it's mm-hmm. it's going to sound like Stranger Things. Huh. I'm not. I don't know if he did anything for that show, but it's going to sound like that. And it's very interesting because the first time that I heard it, it was really random. Like I was at a tattoo shop, and they just happened to play that song. So I, you know, I I I found out what the song was, and I was trying to find it. So when I saw that the 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 title had the word Time Cup. And then 1982, mm-hmm. 1983 on it. My first thought that was that it was part of the soundtrack to the movie Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. <laughs> Which wasn't the case. <laughs> not related. No, not related. I was convinced that was the case. And, you know, because I was trying to find the soundtrack and I couldn't find it. Uh, but so it turns out that he's just, he's a modern artist. that just does, you know, he just works on compositions. Huh. And, um... And it's really interesting, it's, a, it's a really relaxing, it's really different. in general you know which i i am a big rock metal right person. so is mary yeah i'm more of a i'm more of a <laughs> classical and like house edm <laughs> like chinese folk music Brahms and bass nectar <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think over the years, I think my, my musical taste has brought it a bit. I mean, not that I, I did always enjoy, like, the random thing that was not an electric yeah. guitar. You know, cause I'd like, you know, Southern rock and all kinds of rock I, I've enjoyed. I, I, I enjoy some country music. I, I've been listening to, like, rockabilly in, like, 50s <laughs> and 60s and stuff yeah. like that. And so that kind of it happened over the past few years. But And always, like, 80s music has always been yeah. a thing. Like, I listen to 80s dance hmm. music sometimes so that's you know uh, be, become more um open to like i've become more open to like this bunch of other kinds of music that i wasn't really before i've been listening to a bunch of swedish music for oh, some cool. reason <laughs>
which is funny because I've been trying to get, we have a friend, we have a common friend. Um, his name is Dan and he, uh, he's from okay. Sweden. So I talk to him sometimes and I've been trying to convince him to translate those songs for me so that I can actually learn them and see what they <laughs> actually say. Because I have this crazy idea that a couple of the ones that I really like, I can create my own version mm -hmm. of it, but obviously I'm not going to be able to sing in Swedish. So I want to sing it in English, but I need Dan to translate that because I cannot find the lyrics online to translate myself because they're not popular. You're yeah. not going to find the lyrics to those songs normally. So I cannot, even, I cannot do that. So I need someone who speaks Swedish to just jot yeah, them down for me and that's translate. That's cool. Not, not even translate them. I just want them to write the songs yeah, down yeah. for me. <laughs> So I can translate. I used to do uh, song translations um, from Spanish as just a way to practice. Uh, when Whenever I had downtime, I would like find some songs that I really liked, and I just listened to it so much that I, you know, got it in my head, and um, you know, I could I could piece out what they're saying, and then like the next level is like, okay, now I know what they're saying. Now I can think about what it means, and and then. Um, so right. like at first it was just, I want to be able to sing along. Like I can't sing along to the song because I don't know what the words are. And uh, then I got to that level and then it's like, okay, how cool would it be if I just made like my English transcription for it? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, that's fun. <laughs> it's a thing. It's, it's a thing. And then I, I'm just hoping that I haven't been listening to like really messed up things. <laughs> Um, like this was the, this, there was this song that I really liked and it was, um, it had a really great beat. It had a really great guitar and it was really you know it was fast and it was catchy and then i thought it was like i kind of saw the video a little bit and i kind of interpreted it as some kind of punk having fun in the sun mm -hmm. kind of thing and then i you know i i got dan to tell me what it was about <laughs> And apparently the whole song is about a barbecue, like literally <laughs> just about barbecuing meat. <laughs> so I, yeah, so it, it, something like that, which is yeah. it's funny, but you know, that's cool. Literally, it's a song about grilling meat. <laughs> Some obscure <laughs> shit out there. One, one of the things, ba oh, back to back like, to like the original Spotify that we were talking about. I remember, I remember <laughs> um, one of the things I liked about Spotify uh, when it first came out was that it had like the top 10 charts and you could toggle in the drop down menu like what country and it was all the european countries because they were only in like right. you know oh finland and sweden and you know france or whatever and so i'd be like hmm, i wonder what's popular in sweden and it was just kind of cool because um especially in college i was but i still am but i was more so like always exploring trying to find out like what's popular somewhere else because you know there's all this american pop music and you know i don't like whatever popular right. artist there is right now you know transport me to another country and so the spotify was really cool for that um now maybe they do have the feature i just don't really know where it is anymore um or maybe just we're more of a global society <laughs> everyone's you know everyone <laughs> is listening to uh i don't even know what popular music is anymore but uh you know yeah, I had to listen to the radio. Yeah, I mean, all these Americans are into you know these K-pop celebrities, and um, huh. so that's kind of transnational at this point. I don't know. 
I I think uh, my favorite my favorite thing about Spotify really is other than you know, than having a paid account because you absolutely have yeah. to have a paid account <laughs> for Spotify. <laughs> I, uh, I I recently I I didn't have a I've had one for years and then I had a mm-hmm. gap of like two days without having paid a paid account. It was horrible. Like no. I didn't I didn't remember how bad it was. I I don't I don't know how I did it before. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so the algorithm is actually my favorite thing. That's what I've learned in of, our user research. Go ahead. This, this application, <laughs> the, uh, this bunch of other applications, you know, Pandora and all the other ones that have their own algorithms, it doesn't even come close. Like Spotify's al- algorithm is, is, is insane. Mm-hmm. Like the recommendations that it makes and the weekly discovery thing. Yeah. That is, I... If you use it frequently. I, I couldn't... Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have picked those songs myself. Like, it's so close to the exact, you know, lane. Yeah. The exact uh, beats, the exact types of guitar strumming that I like. Because it gets mm-hmm. to that level. It, it's not even about only the type of music. It, sometimes it's literally about there's a particular type of guitar strumming that I've been listening to that I like huh. a lot. And it's giving me that, that type of recommendation. Wow. It gets that close. Yeah, I mean, we... Um... So, Again, can't really like divulge anything, but at Audible, we're an audio content company, and um, it's not like we're gonna start doing music or anything. That will never happen. But yeah, sharing the kind of like, you know, Netflix is competing with Prime Video and HBO for your eyeballs, and in a way, we're competing with Spotify for your ears. Um, <laughs> You know, if you're listening to right. Spotify, that means you're not listening to an audiobook. Or, you know, if you're listening to a podcast, it means you're not listening to either until Spotify has started doing podcasts. Um, but we, uh, you know, we brought in kind of people totally blind. We weren't looking f- to hear about Audible. We just wanted to hear about what do people listen to in their life. And at a certain point in the conversation, we, you know, were wondering about, um, uh, you know, okay, well, have you ever tried to leave your favorite service? And, you know, did you come back or whatever? And so many people talked about how, yeah, well, uh, I tried to switch to Apple Music because I have an iPhone and everything and I like Apple. Um, but, you know, it just didn't, it felt like a blank slate. None of my stuff was there and it didn't really know what I liked. And so I came back to Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not, a revelation it seems pretty obvious now but at the time I, I thought it was a pretty powerful example of like um you're you're no longer competing for like the content or or what you listen to because like spotify has the same songs as amazon has the same songs as apple right. and google and all that Perfect. so yeah i mean spotify and all these people they they have the same songs so um, yeah, technically you might be able to go and find that song for cheaper. Like if you subscribe to Amazon music, I think that's like five bucks a month or something, but people right. stick with Spotify because that's just where all their preferences are. Um, and, uh, yeah. I remember back in the day when Spotify came out, they let us import all of our playlists from Apple, which is pretty smart because back then uh, there were, there were no smart discovery things it was all playlists that you made manually and i you know had hundreds of them curated so being able to bring that over to spotify was amazing but of course spotify is not going to let you bring your recommendation data to another platform i mean that's probably 
the reason why you can't really do anything outside of that yeah and there's no way that i'm gonna go and find the 2000 songs that i've cur- you know curated over the past 10 years yeah <laughs> anywhere so but yeah i mean it's it's pretty pretty incredible i i, I think in general i think now that i've i think this is um this is the first time that i've actually had the time to really get into music with i actually had the time to do that in a very long time mm-hmm. so i've been experimenting with a lot of things and so i've been playing you know songs through my theater system i've been playing songs oh, cool. through my my echo show mm-hmm. i've been playing songs even I, i've been trying the because the my thermostat actually has a speaker what you know i have an i have an echo b oh wow so it actually has a speaker, which I didn't realize <laughs> really. So that one time when I was trying to stream, you know, Spotify, I was trying to stream it to the Echo Show, mm-hmm. and then I see the Echo B popped up as a as a you know as an option. So I did that, and it plays nicely <laughs> from really? my thermostat. People would want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Interesting. I mean, if I didn't have the Echo Show, I guess I would play it on my thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So everything, everything has. I think um, I've, I've been I've, I've been trying to test a lot of that and seeing what what works best because, like I said before, like I've been trying to record some music. So I've been trying to find the best way to to complement that with the you know I don't have any fancy speaker system or anything like that. So it's been interesting to be able to do that. What do you mean complement it? So like you can hear a track while you're playing or? Yeah, exactly. So sometimes if I want to have a particular track playing if i don't want to use because you can do that with garage you know with garage band you can play the drum track or do that but sometimes you need the actual song to when you first start to play it if you're trying to learn a particular song if you're trying to get something a particular beat you need to have that on the background and hmm. um, even if you're just practicing and you could do that you can literally Im- import songs into garage band but uh, obviously you have to own those songs to be able to import them. So, you know, right. the, the easiest way to do that is just to play it on a random speaker oh, and just okay. kind of align it at the same time so you can do that. Um, I mean, I was trying to find what the best way to do that. So I tried, you know, listening to it on my headphones. But then if I did that, then I really didn't hear listen yourself. to what I was, you know, what I was playing, yeah. you know, the right way. So, you know, experimenting with that and different speakers have different qualities so far i think my favorite thing to do is to actually play it on the um, on the echo show hmm. which is interesting that's cool well it's also nice because i mean i don't know what your process is but like if you're if you just want part of the song and then you like you want to start over or something it's a lot easier to just um say you know to the echo to start over or to stop or whatever because your hands are full with a guitar you know if you've got something else going on then you know you got to do a remote or open an app or something so that's kind of nice too right right yeah which is it and i keep trying to remind myself not to say the actual name of the thing so it doesn't pop up and ask me questions yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> that uh that amazon robot <laughs> that that you know that lady that comes out randomly sometimes <laughs> do you have any uh, uh like smart speak uh no the smart uh, light bulbs and stuff like that too I don't have light bulbs, but I have my whole security system is rigged to the to the to the device oh, that nice. should not be named. Uh-huh. But um, so that's the reason. That's the that's the actual reason why I, I bought the the Echo Show. Yeah. Because I I have um this, my security system. I use a Ring, 
So I have all, all my cameras uh, hooked up to it. I have my, my doorbell is hooked up to it because I have one of those fancy doorbells too. Cool. <laughs> so you can see who's and there. I, yeah, you know, I bought a you know I bought the digital lock that is compatible with that, so I can tell that lady to open it for me. Yeah. Okay. And and I know you and I have talked a little bit about it before, so I didn't realize because you put something in my head. We talked about a little bit mm-hmm. about how it works when you try to open it. So we were trying to figure out what, you know, how do you stop someone else from just trying to yell? And if they get close enough to mm-hmm. where the device is, you know, how it's not, not going to trigger it to open it for someone else from the outside. Right. But uh, so obviously the simple answer is that it requires a password. <laughs> What the a voice password or a password on the yeah door? oh no 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 so if you're gonna if you want to open it uh, only using your voice then you have to give it a four digit code okay so for context for, for for other people um, I was reading into the I think it was the August lock uh, that I was interested in and I'm not really sure if I'm allowed to add these things to the door because I'm renting. I don't own the place, so I haven't done it. But I was reading into it because it sounds cool. And um, uh, they said that it's compatible with uh, these Echo devices. And uh, But the only thing is, for voice commands, you could tell it to you know lock the front door, but you could not tell mm-hmm. it the opposite. You couldn't say, hey, unlock the front door. Um, and then they, they explained that, well, you know, let, you know, let's say the window is open cause it's summertime or something, you know, someone could walk by and just say, you know, this robot's name <laughs> and open the door. Um, <laughs> they didn't mention anything it. about a passcode, but that makes total sense. A- Amazon yeah, uses it's, that it's for simple, shopping too. And we should know that, you know, like it's the simplest things. Obviously yeah, it's going to yeah. ask you for a password. So yeah, so you can, I mean, if you want, if you say lock it, then it's just easy. It just locks it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need anything. But if you say open, then you got to give it a, it, it says, oh, uh, you say whatever your name is, open it. Yeah. And then it says, what is your password? So oh, then you okay. just give the password and then it opens the thing. But obviously the, the easiest thing to do is to just use the app to do it. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm driving in, then the moment that I park, I just, you know, open the app and I just open everybody, especially if I'm carrying things. Have you gotten into the uh, Siri shortcuts at all? No. I um, In iOS 13, I think they're native. So uh, long story short, um, there's this whole thing. I think it was called Workflow was the app. And then they got bought by Apple. And now they're integrated mm-hmm. as uh, Siri shortcuts. I'm sort of showing you on the screen, but I realize you can't read yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, I see it. So if you, let's see here. I think if you just type in shortcuts on your phone you should find it and um, there's a few kind of prefabbed ones that they might recommend Um, but if you go on reddit that's a great place to find some more you can um, add them to your phone and they're just macros of you know if this then Mm -hmm. that oh I also used to use that website for a while so it's like that so you could set one for geolocation that says you know when my phone is you know within x number of distance of my house tell you know this app to unlock the door now there might be some sort of security uh thing i don't know if they would let you do that but that would be kind of cool if like you pull up and your your house notices that your phone is in the driveway and it just opens the door for you which is interesting because you can hook up you can sync the the rest of the system the same way yeah so for example the lock you can because even my thermostat is, is, is synced to the same system, right? 
-hmm. So, and if I have, you know, smart lights, then it would be the same thing. So basically I could say that the moment that I open the lock, then the thermostat is going to turn on to a particular temperature and then the lights are going to go on. Yep. So if that was the case, if you, you could do it by geolocation, then the moment you pull in, you could actually trigger all that yeah. to happen and automatically. You could, uh, you could even set it separately. So when you're leaving work, maybe the thermostat starts going. And then when you get home, the lights in the lock go. All right. I set this one because, exactly. um, I, I mean, it's not a big deal, but like around like five o'clock, Mary will always text me and she'll be like, hey, are you heading home yet? Or are, are you on your way or whatever? And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> this is like the, the smallest, it's not even a problem. But it's one of those things that as a nerd, I obviously found a way to automate it. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I reply to her, but <laughs> now my phone She's not listening. It's okay. no, my, my phone knows that um, <laughs> when I am like 30 meters from the office, so like, you know, if, if I go for coffee or whatever, it won't set it off. But when I'm far enough away from the office, um, it will set the uh, ambient light strip behind our TV to green, which is pretty weird kind of standout color. So now, because she, she's at home most of the time studying for this uh, exam. Right. So, she, you know, she'll be on the couch or in the kitchen or whatever. And all of a sudden she notices the light turns to green. She's like, oh, Rob's on his way home. And it's just kind of like this ambient kind of sensor of like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like like when you get, uh, you know, an Alexa notification that your package is out for delivery or whatever. It's like, oh, Rob is on the way. But. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of cool, but it's also kind of such a lack of personal touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such an automation of your life. Or you, know, the, you know, I, I, I don't really... I don't really want to text my wife to tell her that I'm on my way home, so I'm just going to trigger this automatic system that just I mean, turns on the light. I would rather <laughs> talk to her about other stuff than, are you on my home? Yep, I'm on my home. Like, yep, that's the same time as usual. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I'll text her and be like, oh, what do you want to do for dinner or something like that? And so, yeah, I'm not right. I'm not avoiding my wife. I'm just automating part of it. <laughs> I'm just automating part of my life with my wife. Sure. Uh, I mean, just that's how it starts. <laughs> but it, no, it also stems from like I have these devices and, you know, they have like their primary use. But I'm trying to think of like what, what are other ways I can get the most out of it? And I remember... Right. Um, our mutual friend JD, uh, also from Fjord, she was <laughs> she was working at some startup. Uh, this was a long time ago, and um, they were playing around with connected devices. And the, it was oh, it was for the city, I think, for MTA, and um, it was to better help you estimate or get a sense of when the bus was nearby. And mm -hmm. she was trying to find people who use the bus, and I sometimes did. But the main pain point of using the bus is figuring out like when it's coming. So again, to back up for people, I don't know, who live outside of New York or whatever, if you're using the subway as your main mode of transport, doesn't really matter. You put on your <laughs> coat and you go outside and then you just go to the train and it comes when it comes. Um, usually that's the better option, but I will choose a bus because it can be faster if you time it right. And, um, hmm. uh, but the, the problem is sometimes they'll be like, oh, the bus is coming in 18 minutes. Well, I don't want to wait for 18 minutes. And, uh, if I'm looking it up on Google maps or something on my phone, 
then you know that's just a another step that could be automated and so she was using smart lights to automate this and um they i think they had a sign at first that like switched from like one to the other but it would bring right. that that bus time or the eta into your home so they wrote a custom script for me this is so cool uh for the b62 bus which is like the route that i'm on and what stop right. that i'm at and when the bus was like uh like five five minutes away like uh one of my light bulbs would turn yellow and when the bus was like two minutes away it would turn green and so as i'm like having coffee or getting ready in the morning in theory i could just notice like oh it just turned green time to head out the door and it's just it becomes more ambient and i feel more connected to like what's going on outside that way i mean it makes sense that as a designer your life is completely color-coded <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so, okay so how uh, i don't know if i missed it but how are they getting the location of the bus? Are they using still like the, the geolocation feed that the MTA already has? Yeah. So that's because it's a, okay. s a municipal service. I guess it's publicly available. And so they're able to, that's the other thing is like, you know, buses kind of come irregularly. And so that's another reason why you would want that. Because um, those applications that tell you when the bus is coming, they, I guess they have access to the, the API has. Yeah. It's a public API, right? So that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just it's translating, you know, what any person could get from Google Maps or a city mapper. I really like city mapper the best, but uh, it's translating that from you know the the visual interface to just an ambient interface, which is kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Now that you talk about that, you remind me of uh, so Rob used to do this thing, and I don't know if you still do it, <laughs> but uh, when we when, when we used to meet up. Mm -hmm and with friends so we're just gonna have coffee or whatever when rob was in, on, on his way he used to send us a link with uh his estimated time of arrival and his um city mapper location well i don't know but that, that was it but that was, uh -huh. which was really funny was it because he would always send that and it would tell it would, it would literally tell us where you were you know your, the journey the, the, the my little the, dot on the, the map path, yeah the path that you were taking and how long you were gonna take and it was really funny because yeah. you know you're like, oh, Rob is on his way. <laughs> but uh, I just like to be plugged into the system. <laughs> just every time, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's, that's part of what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of how you, you, you like to handle things that way. So it's really interesting because if you didn't get a text from Rob that said, hey, I'm waiting for the bars right here. I'm about 10 minutes away. We just got a link that said, you know, hey, Rob has shared his location yep. and his trip with you. And you can follow his trip by, you know, <laughs> clicking in this yeah, link yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's just like i again like cutting out the the things that are unnecessary of like okay i'm leaving now and oh man the, this train is running late or you know uh okay i'm two minutes away now like those are like you know three separate messages that i'd have to get out my phone and like send <laughs> to you when i could just give you a link and then you can do all the work <laughs> <laughs> of seeing where I am. It, it's almost as if you're trying to cut unnecessary content from a web page. Yeah. From a web page. Yep. <laughs> I wonder why you think that way. Oh, do, do you, um, uh, you, you um, now that you're in New Jersey, I guess you, you drive now too, right? So do you use the CarPlay um, yeah. with the, the yeah. new iOS 13 CarPlay? I've been using... Yeah, I mean, I've been... Oh, go ahead. 
no, no, no. Uh, I've, I've been using Apple Maps a lot more um, because of the, the really? update. Um, it just it looks nicer. It seems like it's finally a dependable service, and it integrates with the Apple Map UI nicely. You get the little the three-up view as opposed to some of the third-party ones where it takes over the full screen. Anyway, the point the point of this this anecdote is that in Apple Maps on CarPlay, if you hit the like share my ride with someone, it um, it will it will connect to their Apple Maps app so they can see where you are. But also, if I hit traffic, it will preemptively text that person and say, "Oh, Rob, um, you know, is slowing down. He'll be two minutes late." And then when I get close to my destination, the the map will text the person I'm sharing it with a text message saying, "You know, I'm I'm less than a minute away." on my behalf so i don't have to do anything while i'm driving and that's pretty cool yeah i don't know if google does that or whatever i, I just noticed it with the apple one I, I stopped using google maps actually but for different reasons so yeah i've been, I've been using um the um carplay for a mm -hmm. while so and yeah that, that the map thing is my favorite feature but i've actually been using Waze a lot mm -hmm. but the only reason why is because i am extremely aware of uh where cops are nowadays. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's... one thing I miss from from uh, ways. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I do that, to be honest, because now you know. Uh, that's that's a pretty important thing. Yeah. <laughs> right here. So, other than that, yeah, I mean, I would like to try that, but yeah, so I like that. Uh, I, the one, the best thing that they did, honestly, is they they finally figured out how to let you do other things on your phone without yeah you know switching the application on on the car so if you're on maps you know you can do whatever text and do whatever you want yeah. on your phone and it doesn't interrupt the map before that was a big problem anytime you did something it would actually change it as well on the car so yeah and and even in the carplay ui you have multitasking now where i can have the map on half of the screen and i can have my podcast or my song uh ui with the mm -hmm. play and fast forward buttons on the same view um whereas before you exactly. had to like flip back and forth back and forth that was so annoying yeah that's really yeah. annoying yeah so that's that's good uh, that that uh now I, I don't even need to plug in my phone for any reason other than just because i want to have everything available yeah which is another commodity that now we are yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, another thing you mentioned plugging it in. Like, so when you plug it into the car, I had this automation where it would, uh, there's a, there's a few like cues that it can listen for. So when it's connected, when it connects to CarPlay or when it disconnects to CarPlay, um, it can do whatever. And so I had it send a message to my wife. So when I disconnect from CarPlay, it would send a message saying, um, I just parked the car here and it pulls the GPS and then it aligns it with the nearest postal address. And so like, oh, I just parked my car mm -hmm. here at 123 Street Avenue. And um, because uh, we live in Brooklyn, we have to move the car a lot, alternate side parking. So anyway, that was a, a thing that I automated. So when I parked the car, now Mary would have the address of where I left the car. Um, you know, because like with Waze and That's those great. other apps, it'll show on the map where your car was. But yeah. if 
you know, if you have someone else that needs to go and park that car, they don't know where the car is. Now, of course, she could ask me like a normal human being, but (laughs) 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 this would automate it for you. And then, and then conversely, when I get in the car and I plug it in, it'll send her a text and says, Hey, I'm driving now. So text me through iMessage. Usually we use a, a, a third party app called Telegram. To, to text and um, that's not so great with the Siri and you know like reading the messages out loud so that gives her a cue of like yeah. okay well Rob's driving so I'll use iMessage and then that way when I'm driving I can use the Siri automation right. <laughs> automation this this whole podcast actually should have been about automation and Rob the way, ways in which uh, Rob avoids human contact <laughs> yeah <laughs> but can think I, music I don't know. and robots it's, uh, it's, it's... Music and robots. <laughs> <laughs> Those who shall not be named. I think, I don't know. I think uh, that, that's something that's been, we've been trying to find ways, like in, in going back to, you know, work and stuff. We've been trying trying to find ways to to implement automation as part of uh, the process in general. Mm-hmm. And if you think of banking, there's really not much that you can do with it. I mean, I mean as, it, as it is already, you know, you're not going to think that the banking industry is a, a place where you can innovate that way. But there's still a lot of research that actually goes into that. I can think of some ways, um, but that might that might be a, a long and boring <laughs> podcast. But my my <laughs> my bank of choice is simple, and I really I think I chose them because of the really cool features that they had innovated on. This section of the podcast brought you by <laughs> simple, <laughs> which funny story. I actually found them because. I wanted to make a, a like a design website and I wanted to get the domain simple.com and I was like, yeah, I bet someone already has it though. So I just typed it in simple.com and it was a bank and I was like, <laughs> a bank, what? And then I looked and I was like, they had these screenshots of their app. It's like, whoa, I've never seen any bank do this. Now, a lot of the banks have since done what they have, but um, I stick with them, but yeah. I went the same route though. Like I, I found an online banking, like an ally. Mm-hmm. So I find along, I I used to have Citibank, and then um, at the time they started to close all the branches they had in New Jersey. So the next time that I had to open an account, I was like, I don't want to have to deal with that and finding a branch. Yeah. So I just got an online bank. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is cool because it automates your uh, budgeting. So I make items for like the electric bill is going to be roughly seventy bucks on the 15th and my phone bill is always going to be, you know, this much on the 12th. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's all automated now. So when I get my paycheck, it detects that as a paycheck. Cause I guess, I don't know the the payer is audible or something. And, and then it takes my paycheck and it divides all the money, uh, to all of the, the bills that I have told it that I have. And then anything left over, you know, goes to the top but right. it, it hides that money so to speak the stuff that's allocated to the bills so it's kind of nice mm-hmm. like you know if i get if i get a hundred dollars and then you know the bill is 50 bucks my bank account actually says rob has 50 bucks because the other 50 is supposed to be saved for that bill so that's kind of a nice little automation ah. that it does yeah that's pretty good that's interesting i i still use spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> I, I like spreadsheets now, but um, but yeah, <laughs> use them for other things. Yeah, I spend a lot of time on them actually. Just uh, 
But I still think that the, the it's just the feeling of actually working on a spreadsheet. It's just you know, it just you know creates fear in general. Yeah. Not only you're looking at your budget, but you're looking at a spreadsheet. But then it feels really Which, cool and like wizardry when you finally like get something to work, and you got like all these complex formulas, and you're like, all I have to do is type a number into this one box, and boom, everything else calculates. <laughs> but it takes a long time to get <laughs> to that point, and um, magical. I don't any any. Uh, important notes we need to hit before we leave first reached out to me as like a reminder to like we should podcast sometime did you have any idea of, of what you were going to talk about <laughs> did we totally go off topic i i honestly thought we were we took completely <laughs> went off topic as usual so <laughs> yeah it was a bit of it as usual well if you think of more <laughs> we can do a part two some other time cool well thanks for being on chris castaneda everybody thank you for having me it was fun yeah talk to you on slack later <laughs> see ya see ya